do me a favor. Can you believe this on Christmas Day? Turn to Daniel chapter 10. But uh, you're, you're going to see that this is, as, just as Olivia reminded me today, every, Bible, or every uh, Bible chapter points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we'll tie it in. So we're in Daniel 10. We're at about 536 B.C. So way before the time of Christ. Way before the time of Christ. But we'll get there, I promise. Uh, But we are studying the book of Daniel, and we have said that Daniel is a book of piety and prophecy. And it's amazing. I've uh, taught this book a couple times, and uh, obviously have caught it before, but not like this time, how the Lord's impressed upon me. The the devotion, the the, uh, pursuit that Daniel has of God, but probably a better way of saying it is the way God has pursued Daniel, and yet there's this constant flow of communication between Daniel and God through prayer. He's amazing, uh, Daniel is. You know this. When he was uh, being asked to do something that was against his godly conscience, he uh, uh, was asked to stop praying and to bow down to another idol. He, he went up into his chambers, opened up the window doors to Jerusalem, and just kept going. And it wasn't an act of defiance. I don't think so. I don't think it was an act of defiance. What I think it was, was he couldn't stop. He just couldn't. He couldn't get along without spending time and communicating with, with God. And so that's who Daniel has been, and we've seen it all throughout uh, the book. And now we get to chapter 10. And last week, remember, we went through the 70-week prophecy of uh, Daniel chapters, uh, or chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And it is really the backbone of all prophecy in the Bible. And we know that these 70 weeks have been determined for Israel, the people of God, and there's one week left to go. And uh, we talked about that at length. But through the last couple chapters, we've been seeing now that there is one coming, the Messiah, but also we see as the end times sort of wrap up that there's another one, a fake one, an antichrist. And we've been talking about what he's like and what he's going to do in his program that's ultimately going to be defeated. We've been saying that now for two or three weeks. But here we get to uh, chapter 10, and it says here in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, time out. I can't even get through one sentence. But here's the point. Remember, half of the battle of reading Daniel is just figuring out who the players are. And these players keep switching. It's not in chronological or chronological. Did I just say add a syllable to that? I think I did. Uh, it's not in chronological order. Uh, God has put this together for a purpose according to the Holy Spirit. And here we get back to this guy named Cyrus. Now Cyrus is instrumental in the history of the Jews because when the Jews were in Babylon for the 70 years that were ordained for them for basically robbing God of those 70 years over a 490-year period of rest, God takes them to Babylon. We know this. We've studied it at length. And now it's time, and the Lord has allowed the Jews to come back from Babylon to their homeland to build their temple. That's where we are here, and Cyrus issued that first decree. And if you want to read all about that, you'd turn to Ezra, and then on to Nehemiah. That's where all of this is found. Everybody with me? But Cyrus did it in his first year, and now a couple years have passed. He's in his third year. So what's happened is, let's set this up. Cyrus has issued the decree for the Babylonians to go back to Jerusalem, 
but only a small portion of them, 49,000 or so, returned. Guess what the others did? Hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Guess what they did? They stayed in Babylon. They stayed in Babylon. And they got comfortable. They got real comfortable, and uh, they didn't return. And now Daniel, in his mid to late 80s, think about that. What do a lot of people think in the world when they get into their mid to late 80s? Well, it's over for me. My career's over. Da, 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 da. Well, see, not for Daniel. Daniel kept on. The zeal of the Lord was in him. He knew the Lord, and the Lord knew him, and it was vital to him, and he had this dynamic faith. And at 80 years old, he didn't shut it down. In the third year of Cyrus, as he sees only a small portion of the Jews return, he stays in Babylon, probably because he was 85 years old, had been a hard trip, but we don't know for sure. He stays in Babylon, and his name was called Belteshazzar. We talked about that at the beginning of the, uh, uh, the study. He was named both Daniel and Belteshazzar by this new regime here, the Chaldean name. But anyway, the message was true. That's what it says next. But the appointed time was long. And he understood the vision and had understanding of the vision. Now that's sort of the preamble to the rest of the chapter, chapter but not just the chapter. This chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12 all go together. We won't talk about 11 and 12, but let me just tell you this. The appointed time was long. In Daniel 10, it sets the stage for Daniel 11, which describes a time of great persecution and testing for Israel. And so that's what that probably means right there. The message was true, but the appointed time was long and arduous and hard. But he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. That's the preamble. You kind of get the result of what happened to Daniel at the beginning now you find out what happens to Daniel. Here in the third year of Cyrus, in his mid-80s, sort of like worried for his country and his countrymen and people. How about us? We worried for our country? We worried for our countrymen and for our people. Sound familiar? Well, here, the message is true, pointed time. In the, those days, here's what Daniel did. He got on Facebook and complained. He jumped on Twitter and just fried everybody. He got on Instagram and killed his opponents. And boy, did he blast them. No, it doesn't say that at all. It says, in those days, as he was concerned for his country and his country people, what did he do? He mourned. He had a sense of mourning. And remember the, uh, the times that we've been through over the last couple of weeks? When he prayed, he didn't say, those people are ruining our country. He said, we have sinned and we repent. He didn't point fingers. He said, we, and it was genuine. And so here, he uh, uh, is going to do something else as he finds out, wow, they're more comfortable than I thought. They're, they haven't woken up. What's going on with my people? Well, here's what he did. He mourned. Yes, of course, he mourned uh, three full weeks. We hardly can uh, mourn for three full seconds. We get it lost in Netflix or whatever, music, m movies, uh, whatever it is. He, for three full weeks, listen to what he did. I ate no pleasant food. 
No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. He had a real hygiene problem for three weeks. I mean, here's what he did. Some people here think he fasted completely. Probably not. It looks to me like he fasted from certain things. It doesn't look to me like he stopped eating right here. It just, he didn't take the choice as food. And so there's a debate. Is fasting only food? Well, some people believe so. But what is fasting? Let's just remind ourselves. When you have something of great spiritual concern, just something that's on your heart, or maybe as a body. See, here as a body, we have January 7th on our heart that kids would come and get saved and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that's called Winter Way. And so we've chosen to take one day and do a fast. And you can grab the card back there and participate. Why? Because it's of great spiritual concern, but it could be anything in any of your lives. You have this thing that is great spiritual concern, so you say, I'm going to deny myself the physical for a time to focus just solely on the spiritual. Now, fasting isn't the lucky rabbit's foot. Lord, I fasted. You got to give me what I want. Here we go. I got my hand out. That's not fasting. Fasting is I take away the physical, the eating or whatever, so that I can concentrate more on the spiritual and so I can relate to the Lord and hear from him and really get my will adjusted to his not vice versa. It's not a magic formula. If you think it's a magic formula, stop it. Don't do it anymore. (laughs) Get the right idea. It's something to be and come close to the Lord and hear from him and tell him your concerns and have him speak back to you over a time. And some people, if you can't uh, uh, forego just the physical eating, there's a lot of things you could fast from. I mean, you could just fast from chocolate. Now that's going into... Right, that's going into the deep realms of sacrifice, right? Or you could fast, but, but maybe we should probably do this anyway, fast from your phones or fast from social media. Some people think that's what this is talking about. Whatever, there's this thing where he mourned and he did it for three full weeks, 21 days, he did this and he, again, forgot to bathe, but... I don't think it was forgot, but whatever. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz, if that's how you say it. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet, like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his, vo- uh, his words were like the voice of a multitude. Now, you could re- go over to Revelation chapter 1. We're not going to do it today. But you could go over to Revelation chapter 1. Here's John on the island of Patmos. And he's basic. I mean, he's not by himself, but he's, he's solitary. And he gets this vision, and he describes it in chapter 1. And if you compare the two, they're very similar So most commentators and most people who read this believe Daniel here is seeing an appearance or uh, the Lord is appearing to him. The Lord Jesus Christ is appearing to him. Now watch, prior to the time that Jesus came into the manger as a baby. And so there's many times that this happens 
in the Old Testament, and they're called Christophanies or Theophanies, pre-incarnate appearances of Christ in the Old Testament. And that's probably what this is, what's happening to Daniel here, okay? Everybody good. So then it says, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me didn't see the vision. Now that's really fascinating. So somehow, some way, he sees this vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate vision, but the people that are with him don't see him. Why? Not sure, but I know it happened a second time at least and maybe more. And you all are very familiar with the next time or one of the other times that it happened. That happens in Acts 9 when Saul is walking to Damascus and the Lord gets his attention and appears to him and just wipes out Saul, it says the other guys he was with didn't see him or hear or was like, what's going on around here kind of thing, right? Same thing here. Daniel only sees the vision. Now this is really interesting. When did he receive revelation? He received it when he got alone with the Lord. <laughs> Why, you say, don't you hear from the Lord or don't I hear from the Lord? Well, it's probably because my schedule is constantly busy. And I'm doing good things for the Lord, or you're doing good things for the Lord, but there's never any time of getting alone with the Lord. And it's required. I mean, it's where the Lord does his speaking. As you pick this thing up, get with the Lord, have a little, and he just, and gives you things and stuff. You know, we were singing today, what a wonderful name, and that means what a wonderful character. The beauty of Christ, the sensation of Christ, the majesty of Christ, the kindness of Christ, the, the, uh, the holiness of Christ. And where does that, he seal that into our hearts when we're spending time with him and just, mm, right? And so why aren't we all hearing from him and seeing this fresh New, not that the gospel's new, but you understand what I mean. This dynamic relationship between he and I. Well, we're so busy. It's easy. Let's cut that out. Let's pray about what we can say no to. What a great prayer. What can we say no to? And I'll start it because I'm the worst. Okay? And here, you see it. He gets alone and he sees this vision. But what's, I want you to see the flip side of this. Oftentimes, when you are spending time with the Lord and are alone with the Lord and the Lord has given you stuff and you're obeying what the Lord has asked you to do, guess what's going to happen? Your old friends sometime are just going to flee. And they're going to say things to you like, what? You go to church on what night? Wednesday? You, I've got this thing to do or that. What would you do on a Wednesday night? What are you, some sort of Jesus freak? And the answer is, yeah, yeah, of course. But, but you get what I'm saying. Oftentimes when you go in this path, it's a narrow way. And sometimes people fall out of your lives. But you know what? Here's the thing. The Lord will redeem that. And someday, sometime, they're going to need something spiritual. And there you'll be. And it's a beautiful thing. So here it happens to Daniel. He saw the vision for the men who were with him, uh, uh, but they didn't see the vision. But a great terror fell upon them. They knew something spiritual was happening so that they fled to hide themselves. I mean, God is a consuming fire. We've got to be careful about being too cavalier with God. He's not our homie. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he is worthy of our honor and respect and praise. And yes, he's kind. And I believe he's given us great, you know, sense of humor and to laugh and to love. But when we're cavalier, mm. so here, I was left alone when I saw this great vision and no strength remained in me. That's what happens is the Lord says his grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. And when you see the Lord, you understand there's a difference. We're not on equal levels. He's there and I'm here. And wow. And we see that in Isaiah and other places in the Bible. And here he's just, his strength is gone. For my vigor was turned to frailty in me. And that's a really wild word in the Hebrew. And it speaks of like paleness came over him and he just sort of looked really bad. But I retained no strength, yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. This is sort of going to be like, well, never mind. It's on the ground, up. Stand up. On the ground, up. Sound familiar? You've been in those church services. I grew up in one. Down, up, down, up. Anyway, suddenly a hand touched me. Oh, wow. Is this the Lord touching him? Maybe, but I don't believe so. I think now an angel now has come in. Why do I think it's an angel? It's because he needed help down in verse 13 from another angel, Michael. This one who's now touching Daniel needed help from Michael, another angel. I believe when we get to chapter 10, we've switched now to an angel now ministering, not the Lord Jesus Christ. Get it? So suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palm of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, and I want you to, this is the point of our Christmas sermon. I want you to remember this. Oh, man, greatly beloved. Circle that. He already told him he was very loved in chapter 9, verse 23. Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. (laughs) Down, up, he stood. Then he said to me, don't fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Now we got to take a little time out here, very quickly. We need to go to Ephesians chapter 6 to set this up. We need to go to Ephesians chapter 6. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 6. Look in verse 10 with me. Why are you talking about this on Christmas Day? You know there's really a bloody part about Christmas Day. If you read the scriptures, there's this guy named Herod that tries to eliminate the king, the Messiah, coming through the prophecies that were prophesied. And so he goes and murders these babies. Remember all this? I want you to see something here. As we, in chapter 10, have the veil uh, pulled back on what real spiritual warfare is like. Here on Christmas Day. It's applicable to Christmas Day. Because I want you to see something. (laughs) The tried, Herod tried to eliminate the Messiah through the killing and murder of those babies. 
And now on the other side of Jesus, I mean, folks, the Holocaust, what do you think that's all about? Well, he couldn't stop him from coming the first time, but he's trying to stop the return of Christ, our enemies of our soul. Listen to this. Finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his power of his might. We need that. Man, do I want to be strong, but I can only be strong as much as I'm weak and yield to the Lord in my life. You get it? And let his power live in and through me. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Why are we putting on the armor of God? So we can go around and debate people and tell them how great we are and how awful they are, how much we know and how little they know. We can debate people in the theological circles. No, it's about standing against this cunning, this wild, uh, the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know what you see on the TV and you scream at that president and you scream at that congressman and you're ticked at him and you're ticked at her? You're fighting the wrong battle. So am I. Here it is. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. Which tells you something about the fallen angels. By the way, I think it tells you something about the good angels. The holy angels. Here's what I think it tells you. By the way, what, what, what is an angel? It's a ministering spirit. A, an angel... A, a, a godly angel ministers to us. That's what the Bible says. What do bad, the fallen angels do? Well, they wrestle against all of that program and plan. But what it tells you here is they're highly organized. You get that? This isn't just some ragtag bunch of gorillas sort of just fighting. They're organized into principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of its age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up this armor of God that you can stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Therefore, guard yourself. Truth, righteousness, you, you know all this. You colored them several times and made paper mache when you were little. Now take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and pray always with all prayer and supplication. Do you see where the battle is? And you pray with all prayer and supplication, being watchful to this end with perseverance, supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may given to me or and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. What is spiritual warfare? Or what are one thing that spiritual warfare is trying to do to you? Stop you from being an ambassador. He can't take away what the Lord has done, but maybe he can take it away from others. So he comes and he tries to stop you from being an ambassador. And he does it in a myriad of ways. Now why did I read you all of that? Because in Daniel 10, look what we're about ready to see. The curtain now has been pulled back. You would have a temptation to say, oh, Cyrus, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, oh, the, uh, the people over in Persia, Iran, who are running the country, oh, the people over in Greece who are running the military, oh, woe is me, I've watched Fox, I've watched MSNBC, and I am mad. And you've totally missed it. So have I. Because listen to this. From the first day that you set your heart to understand, this angel says to Daniel, and to humble yourself before God. Listen, watch. Your words rang out in heaven. 
Three weeks ago, you started to pray and to mourn and to fast. You were concerned for your country. You were concerned for, maybe you were concerned for your family, your jobs, a people group that you're trying to witness to, a, a, somebody in your family that doesn't know the Lord. You, you started to pray. Watch. And you, you set your heart. You humbled yourself. Your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. Hmm. Whoa. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, again, sort of a military or royal sort of title given to a fallen angel, watch this, who's assigned to Iran, Persia. Ooh, that's interesting. I didn't know any of that. He withstood me, angel to angel, for 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes on the good side, came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. See, I think if that was Jesus, he didn't need the help. I think this is an angel, different from the beginning. But I want you to just see something here. What if Daniel would have stopped praying on the 20th day? Ooh. What if you just stopped? Maybe there's something in your life. And it, listen, it's not a magic formula. Perseverance in praying, asking, seeking, knocking. When you hear that, I know you do. I've been in the prayer classes with you. You start to put the onus on yourself. If I'll just do the magic formula, more, more, better, better. The Lord will see, give me favor and he'll give me what I want. I don't think that's what this is about. I think the Lord is just saying here, I'm the Lord. I've heard your prayers. There are forces that are trying to get in between my signal to you and your signal to me so that you can stop or not be an ambassador. And I want you to just hang in there with me. I'm going to get my will done on earth, but I have to do something sometimes in you. And it takes a battle. And there is a spiritual battle, battle and a war raging. And yes, we should persevere and keep asking and seek, keep seeking, but it's not you who are doing it. I'm doing it, the Lord says. But there's something, there's these forces that are in between the answers. And here, uh, Michael came to help for I'd been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I've come to make you understand... Uh, what will happen to your, peop your people in the latter days? For the vision refers to many days yet to come. In this case, too, this battle was over the information that was going to come to Daniel in prophecy so that he would understand. And that has to do with the Christmas story. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. See, prophecy is good if you use it in the practical way that God intended, you have a vision. Your, your, your prophecy uh, is for a way of life to help us live a life of purity and um, uh, clarity as we walk forward with our mission as ambassadors to tell people about Jesus, to pray for them, to engage in the battle of warfare so that they surrender their life to Jesus Christ before he comes again. That's what... Daniel has been told here by the angel. 
So when we get all caught up in our 401ks and our white picket fence and our golf game and all those different things, you know what the enemy said? Great. I got them. Because they've become too comfortable. So when he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground. Here he goes. He falls down again. And became speechless, and suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men, I think an angel, touches his lips, then opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me. Incidentally, by the way, Jesus said three times that Satan was the prince of this world. So what I'm trying to say to you is, it's highly organized. Angels in the book of Revelation were assigned to churches. They're ministering spirits. There's some people in the world that get so caught up in angels and demonology that they're just no good. It's just weird how they get off into all those tangents. And yet, on this side of the aisle, there's this thing that you need to know. There is a war raging. You can't see it probably, or not probably, you can't see it, but it is raging. And it's raging for our witness. It's raging for people who are out there who don't know the Lord in a real and saving way. And it's going on right now. And you need ministered to sometimes. And if you take the book of Revelation literally, then churches have angels assigned to them. Somehow, in Matthew, it says that angels are particularly helpful to children. And that's where we get, whether you believe it or not, you can, can debate that outside of here, guardian angels. But also, I want you to notice, it appears here that countries have an assignment of angels against it if you take this literally. Oh, that our corporate prayer times would be filled up. I'm praying that in 2023, we have to come up here and then do an overflow room or whatever, or rent out another hall so we can all be together, so we're all praying together. Not because as though I can say I'm the pastor and we have this amazing prayer time. No, because there's a war raging. We can't afford not to come. And then at your homes, you don't have to just pray here. And then at your homes, praying, praying, praying. He did it for 21 days. If he would have stopped on 20th, who knows? He would have never had this vision. And that's an interesting story for the Christmas story or an interesting twist on the Christmas story. Now watch. My, um, then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, my Lord because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I've retained no strength. That's what the Lord can do to us. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me. Now, there is, nor is there any breath left in me. Then again, the one, verse 18, having the likeness of man, touch me and strengthen me. There it is. When you're weak, he is strong. In your weakness, his grace is sufficient. And he said, O oh man... Greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong, yea, be strong. Now, here's where we go. We're going to go off into Christmas. Yay. These are words of love. I mean, in the Hebrew here, it says, this guy's loved. 
like mm, safe, secure love. He's really loved by the Lord. And then here's what happens to us. We say, well, yeah, I know he's loved. He's Daniel. He's got a whole book written about him. He was this amazing saint. He stood in the lion's den. And the Lord saved him out of it. He's beloved. So, of course, great things are going to happen to him. Of course, he's going to see visions. Of course, he's going to give us the 70-week prophecy. This is Daniel, man. Here, turn over to Luke chapter 1. Let's see another person who you know very well. Look in verse 26, and we're going to gather up some characters that we saw in the book of Daniel, or at least one character. Look at this. Now, in the sixth month... Verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. He was on assignment to go to Nazareth. Gabriel, he always, it seemed, had a message about the coming Christ or something about the coming Christ. That was his sort of department. And he goes to a virgin. Ah, Gabriel, the same Gabriel who talked to Daniel. He goes to a virgin betrothed to a man. Can you imagine Gabriel on the way? Lord, what have you done? How am I going to explain this one to these people? I mean, come on. I, my dad had to talk with me, and this don't square. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Of course he would say, of the house of David. Because God's always concerned with the covenant he made back in Samuel with the house of David. That there would be a king that would come from David's line. Of course. So you see it all. It all kind of comes together to a virgin, a house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, the mom of Jesus. And we talked about that last night. It's important that he's fully God, fully man. If he wasn't fully God, fully man, who could take man's hand? Who could take God's hand and bring us together? Hebrews tells us there was only one, the God-man, Jesus Christ. But here, there's this virgin named Mary. Gabriel's come to her. Ay, 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 how am I going to explain and having came in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. In other words, rejoice, beloved. Sound familiar? Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, some of you are sort of quaking in your boots right now. You're like, why would he read that on Christmas Day? Because here we, we have people in America or around the world who give Mary an elevated status on par almost with Jesus. And we shirk from that because we're like, my goodness, how, that's blasphemy. And then, so what we do is we have people that do that and that, and that says, tells does something to us and so we go over here and say don't say highly favored but she was highly favored she was going to or she did have and bore the son of God but there's this really interesting Greek word 
used right here. I can't really pronounce it. It's like karito, but you could look it up on Blue Letter Bible or somewhere else. And here's what that word means, highly favored. It means to make graceful or charming or lovely or agreeable. I have a funny joke about that, but I won't say it. But to pursue with grace, compassion with favor. To pursue with grace and have compassion with favor, or listen to this, to honor with blessings. That's what this word means, okay? Everybody tracking. So you say to yourself, how can Daniel have all these things happen to him? Visions, stand up against kings, share the gospel, you know, share God. And you're like, but it's Daniel. I mean, he's in the Bible. And then you go, Mary, oh man, Mary, highly favored karato, or however you say it. But I want to show you something that I hope is going to bless you. When you turn over to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, here Paul writes about us. Now I want you to think to yourself, do you find yourself in Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you said yes to denying yourself and picking up your cross and following him daily? And have you then, if you've done that, you've received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's come into your life and he resides in you and he's a down payment guaranteeing your entrance to heaven. If that's happened to you, praise God. Because I want to see you to see something. When you get to Ephesians 1, if somebody's spiritually depressed, I always ask them to come and start reading Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 and insert your name where appropriate. Blessed be, I'm going to read from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed Tim, but you put your name in there. Who has blessed Jan or Matt or Kai or whoever. Blessed us with some of the spiritual blessings. No, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him, praise the Lord. Before the foundation of the world, that we, what is a purpose? To be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined him, or whoever, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Did he do it begrudgingly? Was it hard for him? Did he get frustrated? No, according to the good pleasure of his will. Oh. All of this He enjoys. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Now watch, watch, and then wonder and be more in love with Jesus right here. By which he made us karatu. That word accepted right there is the same word for Mary. You see, yes, she's highly favored. She received by the Holy Spirit this baby boy and then married to Joseph, and they brought in this baby boy, and oh, the Lord used her for what he intended 
She was to be used for, but listen, you're accepted too. The same word applies to you. He wants you to make you graceful and charming and a lovely and agreeable and to, he pursues us with his grace and gives us compassion with favor. Ah, oh, it's amazing. And he honors you with blessing upon blessing upon blessing. You see, that's you. You, you. you read this and you go, oh, made me accepted. Was I not accepted? Am I now accepted? You get kind of weird about it. I get kind of weird. Am I accepted? Do I need to do anything more? No. By the blood of Jesus Christ, you're accepted. And that's Christmas. Now let me tell you one other thing. If you go to the Christmas story, I think it's in Matthew. I'll have to look real quick. If you go to the Christmas story, verse, chapter 2, here you have this loved one, Daniel. Here you have this loved one and highly favored one, Mary. Oh, but you're loved and accepted by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've surrendered your life. You've come then. And now as he's done battle, Daniel, he's done battle. He goes three times a week. He's battling, he's battling, he's battling. He didn't stop on the 20th day. Now you fast forward 600 or so years. 600 years. As Daniel is ministering in the courts of the Chaldeans and the Babylons, remember, he received these interpretations of these dreams so that he became a high official in the Babylonian government and then the Medo-Persian government. I mean, he was going to be the prime minister. He was so far up. And how did he get there? Because he, it tells us earlier in the book, was a wise man. Which means, as he did battle, and his ambassadorship was moving on, and there was this great spiritual war, and as he battled in prayer, listen, the message got through. You get it? So he witnessed in the courts, with the help of Ezekiel out in the countryside, about the coming Messiah. And somehow, some way, weren't you, listen, when I started to know better, and I would read Matthew 2. Here's what I'd say. Where did these people come from? Wise men from the east? What do you mean? Look at this. Oh, I'm still in Ephesians because I got excited. Wise men from the east? What? What? How? How did they even know? How did they know to look for a star? How did they know that there would be in Bethlehem? It's because Daniel talk to the people 600 years prior about the prophecies of the coming Messiah so that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Matthew 2, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And then when Herod saw this, he was troubled when he had gathered three priests, scribes, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, and they told him in Bethlehem. 
Then Herod, uh, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. See, the wise men knew. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search for the kid and when you have found, or the child, and when you have found him, bring him back so that I can come and worship him also. What a lie. And they heard the king, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, now this is probably a year or two later, he's not in a manger, he's in a house, they saw the young child, fell down, worshipped him, they opened their treasures, presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should return to Herod, they departed for their own country. Wow. 600 years after the fight that we just witnessed in Daniel 10, we see maybe the results of his ambassadorship. And so I ask you, listen, what do we want to do with our lives? Honor and glory the Lord Jesus Christ and keep him at the forefront. And here's what I would just say as we close out and we're going into a new year. Forget New Year's resolutions. You're going to do what I do, and after losing one or two pounds, just go right back to, no, I'm kidding. But here it is. It's not a resolution. Yeah, it is a resolution. Here's what I pray we pray. Oh, Lord, help me this year and always respond to your love. My resolutions fail. I need you and your love, and to recognize your love. And when I do see your love, look, it's going to drive me to my knees in devotion and prayer for the people I know who are struggling and there's a spiritual war going on. I'm not going to yell at that one or yell at this one. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for him, them. If you love your country, wow, you better be at the prayer meeting. I'm not guilting you into the prayer meeting. I'm saying that's where the war is won. Or at your home in the prayer meeting. If you're concerned about family members and the things that are happening to them, you're not wrestling against this. You're wrestling against the spiritual realm and they're to be on our knees. And when you do that and the Lord clears out that channel, look what can happen. 600 years later, the things that he did and said and lived, lived on and put, uh, moved forward in a mighty and big way, the kingdom of God. So as I, we uh, pray and as we sing this last song, and as we go home and have fun and share the gifts and learn how to give and learn how to love, and love and give and all those sorts of things. Yes. Let's keep this in mind. That we're ambassadors for him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your powerful word. And just ask, Lord, that you'd bless these folks. Impress upon all of us, Lord, that it's beautiful to spend time with you. It's not a drudgery. We need you in a mighty way, Lord. 
And so, Lord, as we move out from here, help us to live and to grow and to keep moving forward in you, in Jesus' name. Now, wait a minute. I've got to read this to you. Verse 20, Daniel 10. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you and now I must return to fight? The fight wasn't over, folks. Just because there was a victory that time, the angel said, I'm going back into the battle. And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. More and more. There's battle. But I'll tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Hey, God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas. We love you guys.